Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy, a songer, singwriter, amateur, intermediate. We'll talk about that in a bit, guitar player. <laughs> and uh, with, with me, as always, is my co-host, John Gillen, live from Colorado Springs. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right, doing well, cranking on guitar things and, yeah, and yourself, too. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yes, no, good. Uh, gu- gu- guitaring is going well. I have started just just playing more and re- re- remembering how happy just like trying to you know progressing at certain guitar goals makes me uh, in the rest of my daily life in this monotonous Squidward existence. We all have just watched an episode about how Squidward is. We're all becoming Squidward as an individual. Uh, as, oh, as fun a, times. Uh, yeah, as, a as, as a society. Yeah, it's, oh, that's depressing. Depressing. Anyway, guitars. We will kick off today's episode, as we always do, with our lick of the week, which is very uh, fitting, I suppose, for yeah. the uh, for what we're going to be talking about. For everybody who's in love with a particular time period right now. So we'll, That's it. Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, get there. We'll get there. No spoilers. No spoilers. So, yeah, let's do it. out there this mm-hmm. actually took me until the end of the solo to remember who it was i kind uh, of i kind of put that end in there just just so that you could get it to be perfectly honest because <laughs> i <laughs> was like that that riff that end riff is so memorable so it, but, yeah. it is but it's very much uh based on its its time i i honestly thought when i heard that riff coming out i was like is this this isn't the lizzie because it is that 70s rock sound you've got the oh, phaser yeah. you've got the the just dual the, guitars and yeah it, it has that like if it's not who you think it is then like sticks maybe <laughs> <laughs> you know it has that sort of sound but yeah For people don't know this is queen this is brian may this is stone cold crazy off the sheer heart attack record uh, i really like this song surprisingly i really do i think it's because it's very unlike queen this is the same record as killer, killer queen yeah uh, it came out right before it was the record before not at the opera i believe before they went huge I yeah think. yeah yeah um also covered by metallica uh on their garage inc uh you know cover album i suppose uh which sounds weird uh yeah i well, I really I think, like this song. wasn't wasn't stone cold crazy on master of puppets or something like that too no, I don't know. It might have been around the same time they might have done a cover of it, but I'm trying to think. No, because I could see kind of the th- line of thought you're going through. Leper mm. Messiah was on that, and that had like loads of Bowie references on it. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Why did you Fair pick enough. this Queen song? Um, because I actually this is this is there were two things. I I do like this song actually. Yeah. Um, the and the solo is. In some ways, sort of un Brian May. It kind of is. It kind of isn't. Um, and it, but it is very un Queen. You know, that's the thing. It's yeah. very. It's it's rock and roll. Like it's it's. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's very little pretentiousness to it. It's just really right. good. Really good short three minute rock song. Recently, I had someone who wanted to work on uh, Princes of the Universe, which is kind of like eighties 
anthem power, you know, it's, I, I don't want to say it's, it's not a power ballad, but it is definitely like a power anthem. Um, yeah. And the solo on that's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky solo at first, but um, it's in typical queen fashion, the chord progression is just all over the place. Yeah. Borrowing from here, changing keys three times in the song. Like that's, and to me, that's, that's what I think of when I think of like typical queen is not necessarily the We Will Rock You solo or something like that, which is pretty pedestrian. Um, I like this because it kind of shows off Brian May's early chops. He's not doing a whole lot of the 80s stuff where he's tapping or anything. but And then it just gets crazy. So the song is Stone Cold Crazy. And there's the part yes. where you have the two guitars that just sound out of sync, and they're kind of swirling around each other. And so aesthetically, I think it's a really cool idea that it just it feels like your head is spinning around itself and you are in fact crazy so it's, it's <laughs> i think it's good work by brian may and sort of in in accomplishing that and that's kind of the way he always seems to think too is along those lines uh, yeah i think so so this is going to feed into our, our opening topic which normally we talk about gear around now but i think due to the um <laughs> pardon the pardon the expression cock rock renaissance we're going through um, <laughs> right. with um, the sheer heartthrob of the 70s right that's God. going on right now so i suppose we will we'll continue with queen we've got bohemian rhapsody um one of the probably one of the biggest films of the year to come out uh, definitely one of the biggest biopics uh, that has been sure. in the works for a long time yeah uh, biopic biopic uh, I, I, uh, I, I don't know bio biopic pick <laughs> i don't know I remember doing films with uh, an English class before, and they're like, is it, sir, is it biopic or biopic? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, I, John, do you know anything before? I, have you, I haven't seen the film yet. Uh, I, I assume it's hot garbage. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 apparently Remy Malik is great, but he's, you know, he's, he's a really good actor. Do you know why it took so long to make this movie? Um, the false teeth and the mustache? I, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hours of prosthetics. No, the reason this film took so long was that Sasha Baron Cohen of Borat, Bruno, Ali G fame was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. And oh, when thank the script, God he didn't. I know, but when the script arrived, he gets you know killed off. Uh, Freddie dies halfway through the film. And he was basically saying, what, what's the rest of the film? And apparently Brian May and Roger Taylor were like, oh, the rest of the film is basically how we came back stronger than ever. That was like going to be the original film. It was going to be how Queen survived after Freddie dying. <laughs> and what? of course, this film now, I think, is about, you know, the run up to Live Aid and Live Aid, sorry. And yeah. they just, you know, that whole, that massive concert, which is, you know, a classic concert footage. But that's why it took so long. And that's, you know, it was supposed to be made about 10 years ago and they just never oh, no got it off kidding. the ground because wow. of script issues uh yeah it's it's problematic but uh, queen i have a, a stephen sharp wrote a song about me called moody because you know i am a bit of a moody individual sometimes and there's a lyric in it about how i hate queen as a band yeah. and i got a lot of hate for that i got a lot of friends going what you hate queen you know nobody <laughs> hates queen i'm like i kind of hate queen i i hate them less than i used to but john i would love to know your thoughts on queen and i suppose brian may so I, I was definitely, I remember sitting in uh, Three Fools and we actually had this discussion in Cork. <laughs> so we, yes. were, we were having coffee in Cork and you were like, I hate Queen. Or I think, I think maybe Maddie brought it up. And I was like, how can you hate Queen? Um, and go, go ahead, I will give my thoughts, but explain, <laughs> explain your logic behind hating Queen. 
Dylan takes out his pamphlet. Uh, so, okay, right. I, 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 I severely, I can see why Queen are great and I can see why people like them, you know, in terms of uh, around here, like, you know, everybody's parents have Queen's greatest hits and they're, you know, car CD player. They're, that's it. That's that's it's, it's, everybody's you know, parents everywhere has Queen's greatest hits. Exactly. Yeah, it's one like, of the biggest selling albums everywhere. I mean, I yeah, I grew up listening to it in the car with my mother like all the time. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a great collection of songs. But then you know, my <laughs> my one of the chief reasons I hate Queen is because there is not just one greatest hits, but three. The third one has Wyclef Jean on it. They Ugh. basically. Everything that Queen does well, they do. They basically ham it up way too much. I, a lot of it is just it, it, buying into the sheer grandiosity of it all, and it's it's almost that eagle level, eagles level of pretentiousness, where they honestly think they are the best thing to ever happen to music. Don't get me wrong; like the the way I can judge a band is basically by how much stuff they've put out and how much of it is good. And Queen have put out a lot of bad stuff. Hot Space is a terrible mm-hmm. album Invisible Man is one of the worst singles one of the worst music videos one of the worst guitar solos I've ever heard there's just so much crap that people don't know about they have a song called Don't Try Suicide mm-hmm. I mean it's, it's just terrible mm, I can really appreciate like the, the stuff they do well I, I really can but when it's, it's just there's so much stuff that people tend to gloss over uh, let's think of another band that were around sort of the same time uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival right four members in the band but three then four or whatever um, put out a lot of stuff but most of it was actually really good you know I, I, mm-hmm. you think of P- Pink Floyd like more good stuff than there is bad stuff I would yep. say you know um, same with Zeppelin right Queen when it comes to like the scope of the material have you heard Cosmic Rock the album they did with Paul Rogers a few years ago no one of the worst things I've ever heard this whole Adam Lambert <laughs> stuff sorry but there's just I, it just really gets my go I, I just we're titling, titling the episode Why Dylan Hates Queen we do have um, a lovely episode or lovely. Queen Gets Dylan's Goat that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just think, okay, Brian May as a guitar player, I can really see what he does. I think it's, I really like, and I think that, you know, when people think of good guitar solos, I think of stuff that was kind of made up on the fly or, you know, Stairway to Heaven, which was, most people know, as a studio improvisation. But what I do really like about Queen is the amount of thought that's put into the guitar solos, the phrasing, the... Uh, the, like if you look at crazy little thing called love, it would be very easy to put in just a pe- some pentatonic runs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, it's every note is chosen really correctly over the chords. It goes to the you know the weird kind of is it like a flattened sixth sort mm-hmm. of chord for the, from the D to the B flat, which is unexpected. But the notes that he puts over that are gorgeous. It all works over really nice arpeggios. It doesn't have to, but there's a, a level of thought that is put in. But when you let Roger Taylor write as many songs as he did within that band. Just ego. I think ego is the chief reason why I don't like Queen. One last point. One one last point. I went to see We Will Rock You. I went to see the musical, which is just absolutely, I don't know if you've, it's set in a dystopian wasteland where rock and roll is outlawed. And and they're basically saying about how Simon Cowell and the X Factor and Pop Idol have ruined music forever. It's basically, you know, and then after I saw that, dumpster fire of a musical that I was dragged to by my best friend who had, by his best friend at the time who has a queen tattoo I was watching the X Factor the following week and who were the guest judges? Queen what, what? a 
of hypocritical BS. I'm sorry, but they will do anything for money. They honestly will. The Brian May Red special, who would buy that guitar? It's hideous. I, I just, I, I did, it is. just the, the sheer corporate tie-in of it all. I, I just, I, you know, whatever. I, I, I just cannot endorse that band. Musical, one of the best bass players, one of the best drummers, like in that time in terms of how it was all planned out. And Freddie Mercury seemed like a really decent guy. I watched a documentary of the making of the News of the World album last week, and I was just like, "Good God, he's humble." But the rest of them, good God, I, I just I can't I I, I can't condone such, such pomposity. Sorry, John, your thoughts on Queen? Okay, all right. So 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 that was. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's what's interesting. I think you actually put forward a really convincing argument because no one no one has put this amount of thought into whether or not anybody, anybody should like Queen. So <laughs> the, the thing is, is like, you have a very outlined argument and I have to respect that. And actually, you, you swayed me on the whole thing. I was like, actually, no, Dylan's right. Most of Queen is garbage. So <laughs> it's, here's the thing. Absolutely, like you said, absolutely brilliant musicians, including Brian May. Like, yeah. I, um, I, I think for the time period, he is one of the smartest rock musicians out there um mm -hmm. but you're you're also not wrong ego 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 everybody in that band loads of ego so i, I including i think from everything i've seen and heard and read like including freddie mercury you know yeah, yeah so I mean, I, one thing one of my favorite queen moments is actually not uh, a member that was actually not played by a member of queen have you heard the guitar solo for um innuendo with i think is it steve howe from yes yeah 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 that's such a such a great guitar solo. One of the best pieces of guitar music I've heard in a Queen song. It's not even played by Brian May. I'm um, sorry, but Innuendo <laughs> is a great song. I think it gets overshadowed by Bohemian Rhapsody. But you know, I, I do have like a top ten favorite Queen songs. Like I have listened to it, and there are stuff that I, there is stuff that I really really like. But then it's just eclipsed by the. So so of, here's here's the thing. Like, did Queen write some really good music? Yes. Did they also write absolute garbage? Yes. So. I think it's possible to take the stuff that we really like and say, yeah, this is a well-written and well-constructed song. Does that mean you have to like Queen as a band? No. No, it yeah, doesn't. Exactly. So I shouldn't get stuff thrown at me on the street. Yeah, I'm completely, I with, I'm completely with you on that. Like, so can you accept the fact, dear listener, that some of, some of Queen's stuff is garbage and some of it is great? So, yes. but does that mean the band itself was great? I, I hesitate to say that mm, because mm. I, I think if you find anyone else who put out that much mediocre crap, well, David Bowie, to be honest. Mm. Okay. That's another, that's another, <laughs> that's another podcast episode. I yeah. love how our, uh, the, the, the word we normally use most in every episode is guitar, but I think it's this time it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Speaking garbage of, podcast. Yeah, go, moving moving on to our our second. Bef before part. I end up in a David Bowie spiral, because I feel very I feel a very similar way about David Bowie that you do about. Mm, I can I yes I, I I think but there was a level of uh, I think modesty and humility that came with Bowie that made him much more endearing as a as an individual. Yes. John. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. So, but yeah. this is this is so. We're talking about the two, the, the two big things to kind of come out in the last week or so. One, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie about Queen. Or the Why movie did they about call it that? Yeah. 
No one knows what it means. Uh, it's just a song title. The other one, we have talked about them before, uh, but before the album was released. So Greta Van Fleet have officially released their Anthem of the Peaceful Army. What, what does that even the mean? Of, that's the name of the... the oh. That. Oh anyway. my gosh. Anyway, so we've already... Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm just going to give like a brief rundown for people that are just joining us that have never heard of, didn't hear our, I don't think it was a rant. It's going to become a rant this episode, but it wasn't exactly a rant, uh, about Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet are a young band all in their kind of early 20s who, are, who grew up with a dad who loved classic rock and have released an album that is now entering the US top five, has moved like 70,000 units this week. Uh, uh, that wholesale rips off Led Zeppelin. I mean, just down to the stage presence, down to the vocal style. Uh, so, <laughs> but without all... the, the the irony is without any of the depth. <laughs> yes, uh, there's there's so much to talk about this. But one of the big things we need to highlight, uh, John, I think you have pulled it up, is that with the release of this album has come one of the most uh, attention grabbing reviews. That has been released. What am I? Are you familiar? Well, this is like one of those reviews that reminds me of. There, there's one other review that reminds me of this, and it's. Uh, do you know? Are you familiar with the Australian band Jet, the kind of ACDC ripoff? Yeah, band? yeah, yeah. Yep. They released an, a, an album. I think it was their their big album <laughs> about ten years ago, and the Pitchfork review was a link to a video of a monkey pissing in its own mouth. That was the whole <laughs> review. You can still find it. Uh, so, John, would you want to tell us about this Pitchfork review? Okay, Earth? yes. Um, yeah, what, was Jeff the one that did Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Was that's, that that's it? That's the one, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, anyway, the beginning of the Pitchfork article, this is by Jeremy D. Larson, senior editor over at Pitchfork. He, Pitchfork. he says, Greta Van Fleet sound like they did weed exactly once, called the cops, and tried to record a Led Zeppelin album before they arrested themselves. That's, that's the intro to this whole thing. And it's just that bad. Like, the, the, he goes on to sort of describe... Um, you know, it's it's got fake sitar solos and fuzz bass <laughs> and just like they are a new kind of vampiric band who's there to catch the runoff of original classic rock using streaming services data driven business model. He goes on to basically explain that essentially it's they know what dads listen to. This is dad rock for dads by young kids like that's and they know that you can crank out this sort of thing and, and it's going to grab attention. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, I, uh, I, I just, I can't condone this. I'm sorry, but John, I didn't, I didn't listen to the album. I knew we were going to talk about it today. So I right. tried, I tried listening to it, but it's just every song you can pick. Uh, out. Yeah, no, and, I've, I, I've, I haven't listened to the album all the way through. I've listened to several cuts off of it and it's just, it's, but it's mediocre it's, it's, drivel <laughs> like i don't know i don't know how else to put it um and i complained about this last time too where essentially like you can't have it both ways you know pining for the days of led zeppelin 
And to be fair, I'm not pining for the days of Led Zeppelin, but there are plenty of people out there who are going to jump on this bandwagon of Greta Van Fleet is terrible, who are still like, well, how come nobody sounds like Led Zeppelin anymore? But anyway, little side rant. Um, it's done. It's dead. There is good guitar music out there today, like our guest Corey from Vasudeva. Fantastic guitar band. I know it's different. I know it's not classic rock, but geez, get over yourselves. Yeah. I just want to read out Thank a God quote. it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just want to read out a quote. I can't believe they put this in a song uh, so blatantly. This is from the Greta Van Fleet song, Age of Man, terrible title for a song. To wonderlands of ice and snow, pause for dramatic effect, in the desert heat where nothing grows, a tree of life in rain and sun, to reach the sky it's just begun. I can think, what? That's like three Zeppelin songs ripped off right there. It's Cashmere, that's Immigrant Song. That's, That's not even the music. I'd love to know if there is a song, sorry, a note in this album that is not from the pentatonic scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, it's, it's, I, I, I love this line from that Pitchfork article because based on what you just said too, he says, uh, and if things that look like another thing is your thing, get ready to throw your lighters up for a band whose only guiding principle seems to be reading the worst Grand Funk Railroad songs as if they were a religious text. <laughs> it's like, there's so much pomposity in, in lyrics like that, that it's just like, do you even know what that means? What, what does that even mean? There's no, oh. I, I think, see, the thing is with this, a lot of people have given, <laughs> posted their own reviews of this review online, but the actual, the, the writer of it, he is actually very, you know, he's like, the point of this is to make you think about, I don't care if you like or don't like what I say, the point is to get you to think about the music that these people are creating and think about your own perception of music, which I think is a really good way to talk about music criticism. It's not mm-hmm. slagging a band for the, for the, you know, he said that he had a lot of fun writing it and you can tell. You know, it's, it's, it's very readable, but you know, that, that's the whole point is to acknowledge that this is very much plagiarism from, okay. Plagiarizing, you know, the most, the biggest plagiarists in rock music history, probably, but uh, to be so po- you know, dead eyed and, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Earnest to do this so earnestly is just, it, it, it's beyond belief. And also I, shame on Ro- Rolling Stone for pushing this band as heavily as they have. Yeah. Saviors of rock. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> well, and it, I think it's interesting. You, you sort of referred to Led Zeppelin as plagiarists um, as well. And like the whole. I mean, I, I think a lot of what they did was take some, they took a lot of other elements and brought it into uh, the the time period, the recording style, the the guitar style, all of it changes. Just because, I mean, if you rip off a Robert Johnson lick and you play it the way Jimmy Page played it, that's not necessarily the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I suppose this was one of the main points that we reached to in our last credit event debate, part yeah. one. We it spoke about building on something, but this is not building on something. This is no. This is recycling. This is. It's, it, it, at its worst, it's it's getting the dreads, the slag out of the bottom and trying to make a new piece of steel out of it. Like, it's bad. It's just, and it's, uh it's hard to listen to, man. Like, I, I can't. It's wind-seducing. Yeah, from a musical perspective, it's just like, there's not an original thought among them. And you're just, there's nothing that grabs my attention. Like, 
our guest and his music, where it's like, hey, this is really cool. There's something different. There's something neat. Um, this is is not is not it. And this, in my mind, is not the way to sort of bring back the guitar. Everybody that's bemoaning, you know, we don't have enough guitar music. It's like we we don't need more Led Zeppelin retreads. That's not what we need. What we need for real guitar heroes are people who are out there actually doing cool things with the guitar, exploring new sounds, building new new bands, new ideas, not rehashing Jimmy Page licks from 50 years ago. In waistcoats and leather pants. And in doing exactly what Jimmy Page did. Don't get me wrong. I think Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin are tremendously important for the development of rock guitar. I'm never going to go back on that. That said, we don't need another Jimmy Page. We don't need another Jimi Hendrix. No. And Please, God, not another Jimi Hendrix. No. But... And- yeah, uh, no, we don't. I, I, I think that's that's the whole thing. But uh, you hear interviews with Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we love what Greta Van Fleet are doing." I'm like, "Of course you do. They're getting more people to pay, give you more money by paying, you know, giving <laughs> exactly. you attention. You know, they're giving you the the Spotify streams. I'm. Mean, it's yeah. It's 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 not infuriating, but it's very very frustrating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, good luck, Greta Van Fleet. It was nice talking about you. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of modern guitar music, John, you introduced me to a band a couple of months ago uh, by the name of Vasudeva. We were very fortunate to interview their uh, one of their two guitarists today. Um, John, how did you come across this band? Um, to be perfectly honest, it was just at the Covet show. So that Young and her band Covet were playing up in Denver. And I had never seen Vasudeva, never heard of them. And they opened for Covet and I was floored. I had no idea what to expect. And I was just like, these guys are awesome. It's great music. It's groove oriented, but at the same time, there is some fantastic intricate guitar work that goes on here. It's, if yeah. you're looking for something that's just, that has a great sound, um, it's instrumental music, but it's, it's great. It's catchy. It's, it's memorable. Super accessible as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So it's it's a great, great, uh, great bunch of guys too. So they were awesome. They hung out afterwards, talked with everybody. Like, cool group of guys. Great music. Definitely recommend checking them out. But here here is our interview with Corey from Vasudeva. We've got an excellent guest. We're super excited to have Corey Mastrangelo with us today. Did I do okay on the name pronunciation there? It's perfect, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, from Vasudeva. And I had the good fortune to see these guys for the first time, uh, my first time anyway, in Denver. And they opened up for Covet and were absolutely amazing. It was totally blown away. Great guitar work, great sounds, whole lot of fun, just, just great music, really danceable tunes, memorable stuff. And we're super excited to have you here on the show, man. Thanks a lot. Wow, yeah. Holy shit. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Vasudeva and your own, uh, your own music that, and your writing process a little bit. Just kind of what you guys have been up to. And you're, you just mentioned you were going back out on tour here with your girlfriend. So talk a little bit about that as well. And we can give people a heads up where to see you and what to expect. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess we're just uh, a band of three friends that have kind of like grown up together, kind of started playing music together. And I always find it tough to like describe our sound. But yeah, we're just an instrumental rock band. And 
I don't know. We're still like learning. We've been a band for 10 years. We've really only been touring for, for six of those years. But yeah, we started in high school and I don't know. We've just been, you know, learning things along the way, just trying new things, meeting new people. And yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And, and so you guys, you just wrapped up your latest U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. And and now you're headed. You just said you were off the air here. You just said you were headed back out on tour with your girlfriend as well. Where are you guys playing? Yeah, uh, that's a, a UK and a European tour. Okay, and so where can where can people see you or or what what are we looking for? Mm, yeah, um, the, if you want to buy. Well, tickets. her name is Natalie Evans. Yeah, and, and uh, we're touring with this band called Golfer from Montreal. They're like a a really cool like punk emo band. Yeah, sent to Big Scary Monsters over there. Excellent. Cool. But um yeah, tour starts in Prague and then it, it goes west like through Germany and there's a they're playing a festival in Belgium, then going over to the UK and playing a few shows like London, Manchester, uh Brighton, playing a festival called Arctangent Festival in Bristol. Oh man. Together. Yeah, that's a big one. That's so, a, that's... Yeah, it should be it should be great. I mean, it's gonna be my third year in a row at Arctangent and it's just yeah, it's unlike any festival. I mean, I've never really been to many festivals in America, actually, but I don't know. This one is really special to me and us. We've played it two years prior to this year, and yeah, it's just, it's really great. Class, that's awesome. So talk a little bit about your own style, I guess, as far as a a guitar player goes. How did you develop mm-hmm. it? So for those for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with it, it and it's... I, I don't know. I struggled to sort of describe it, but it's got a lot of tapping cool. stuff, but it's not sort of Eddie Van Halen tapping. It's very chordal, <laughs> but you're sort of, you're building melodies out of it. Um, I, I really enjoyed it and thought it was, thought it was super cool, but how did you come about it? Like who were, who were some of your inspiration inspirations when, when you were kind of developing your own style of playing? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I don't, when I started playing guitar, it was pretty much in a band context. Like, yeah, I just, you know, my, my dad had a guitar lying around. I have an older sister who kind of like picked it up and was just like strumming some stuff. So I don't know. Uh, I just liked, you know, like emo music in, in middle school. And I had a bunch of friends that were, were playing drums and bass. And they basically just asked me to, to play guitar because I had one and I, I, liked, I liked the same music. So I picked up guitar in a band context and also in like somewhat of a rhythm guitar context, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't super focused on like writing leads or soloing or anything like that. I was really just like holding down the rhythm. So I feel like that that plays a lot into into my style now because I, I, I find myself strumming a lot. And even when I'm tapping, it's just it's it's also like somewhat rhythmic and off of like chord shapes. So yeah, I don't know. I like big chords and stuff like that. That's how I really like grew up and and started playing. Yeah, you cool. can really see that in the voices, the voicings of your like, of your playing. It's just, I was just, I was watching some of your live videos and just the stretches that you're doing. I'm like, whoa, well, you don't really see that very often. It's mostly just like two note things or two finger tapping. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really cool to see. Cool, and thanks. Everything's so groovy in what you guys do. I, to be honest, like I wasn't that familiar until John was like, you got to hear these guys. And yeah, um, there's an Irish band who I think they're now kind of on hiatus. They're called Enemies. Oh my God, of course. Our yeah. favorite band ever. Oh, oh my God. So yeah, I, I instantly saw an overlap there. I also saw it in awesome. like the Spotify related artists. I'm like, yeah, this is, goes hand in hand. But that, that's what I really liked. Your drummer is insane as well. Like so good. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think that whole groovy aspect has a lot to do with, with the other two, actually, because they're, 
they're heavily influenced by like dance music and you know like uh just stuff like that with like synthy and like sub bass and just like i don't know house and and dubstep even and so i, I think that plays a lot into it for sure I, I find myself being someone on the outside of that but i love it just as much yeah it's, it's fun interesting it's really, it's, cool it's yeah that, that's cool that you noticed that thank you it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I feel like the the latest album, No Clearance, is kind of a departure from some of your other stuff and that there is more of that synth element. And when you guys perform, um, you know, Grant had the whole synth rig set up as well. And mm-hmm. which it, a lot of the other videos and kind of the stuff before was much more kind of like two guitars and some drums. Is, is it, one, is that an accurate assessment? And two, how, I guess, how has No how is no clearance a little bit of a departure from the stuff that you've done before? Yeah. Yeah. That this tour actually was the first time we ever brought a keyboard out with us. I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was the first time we had ever done anything like that, but um, we, you know, we have a track on our album from 2013 life and cycles that has like some piano. We've always been, we've always loved like Rhodes piano and sounds like that mostly influenced by like, you know, house music again and, and stuff, you know, those kind of like chords, the, those like chord shapes and whatever. But um, yeah, no, no clearance. It was kind of us just focusing on like songwriting, I think more so this time around than like technical stuff. So there was a lot of like, and we also just bought a bunch of like weird old synths, like Yamaha, like $50 kind of thing. So nice. we are just messing around with that and like samplers and I don't know. Yeah, we just, we kind of got outside of our original influences for, for no clearance, I would say. So yeah, definitely accurate. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a fun album. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, it's a great album to just drive to, just to, like get Thanks. in the car and just roll. So, um, cool. yeah, great, great to listen to. So as a guitar player, I'm kind of curious, what is what is your practice or, or maybe maybe writing is your practice? But what does it kind of look like? How do you stay fresh? How do you keep improving your skills? Yeah. Uh, lately it's been just trying to stay recording actually. I mean, playing a a lot also, but mostly just trying to like demo out ideas and, and focus on, on stuff like that. Like, I don't know, all of our records we've recorded ourselves and stuff like that. So we're, we're really, we're really heavy into, into that whole element. So for me, it's been like sharpening production tools mostly and like, you know, messing around with new effects and new plugins and, and stuff like that. But for my guitar playing initially, it was like, just learning songs and stuff and observing other other guitar players that I really liked and just trying to like mimic them almost. But yeah, lately it's just been a lot of like focusing on production and recording. And when it comes to like the, the production recording, but also the writing, um, you guys have like, you know, I, for the kind of dance music or like the kind of post Rocky stuff you're doing, your pedal boards are, they're not massive like it's it's all very it's it seems fairly restrained in comparison to other bands and um, mm-hmm. but do you think that the whole gear really reflects the the writing of the songs yeah i'd say so but uh, we always try and make sure that like our songs are are like you know solid at, at the bass like you could play them on an acoustic guitar or something like that and they yeah, would still sound sure. full and you know it's still you'd still get the gist of what we're doing I mean, we focus on like delay, for instance, on, on some riffs and stuff like that. And that really makes a riff sometimes for us. But yeah, sure. other than that, we just use effects as like in, I don't know, a, another like extension of, of the song or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Enhances it as opposed to, you know, revolves around it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. Cool, man. So 
your uh, sp- speaking speaking of effects you recently picked up uh what was it the maris uh, yeah yeah the delay, is it the delay pedal or the the reverb pedal uh it was the re- it's the reverb yeah okay and how's that been for you it's sick yeah i love it i've, I've been looking for like a, a more like in-depth reverb pedal for a while and grant has the blue sky which i love but i was just trying to get like kind of a different color sound i guess and yeah it's great i mean uh, i read after buying it that it was inspired by the movie blade runner and like the crazy like synths and reverb sounds in that movie so i, I was yeah i was i was blown away at that for some reason just because i i found that to be very interesting but yeah, that's a really great. good selling point <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like i'm sold <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It has a bunch of like secondary functions and stuff like that, and like a hold feature with like a you know a secondary uh, button and stuff like that. So it's it's cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's great. Rousing endorsement for Maris Audio, right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would love to try more of their stuff. I'm sure it's all great. Send us all free stuff if you're listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So very cool, very cool. And then um, I'm curious too, just while you're playing or, or while you're on the road. Do you find that being on the road and, and playing those shows, does that help in your personal writing process or is just sort of the road process in and of itself kind of a drain and a little more difficult to, to bring those creative juices? Yeah, yeah. It, it helps sometimes. Like uh, on this last one, especially, we were trying out two new ones that are, you know, unrecorded and stuff. And yeah, it really helps like flesh out the ideas, what works and what doesn't. It helps me with like, pedal cues even like stuff like that like what do i want to turn on when and what i think like hits and is impactful and so for this tour it was a huge help for us but other time we don't find ourselves like writing really too much on, on mm. the road you know like really i mean sometimes we sit in the van and like pull up a demo like a voice memo that's like a, a demo that we've been working on or something and like discuss it but it's hard for us to like find the time to you know actually play and write together on the road yeah totally that makes a lot of sense and do you find like the riffs come up come first or the the drum beats or is it like a mixture of the two when it comes to the whole writing process yeah it's happened like you know a bunch of different ways most of the time it's like a riff or like a a piano idea or even like a bass line sometimes but um yeah it could, it could be anything it, but it we write our songs very collaboratively it's always like one of us brings an idea and then we all sort of like work off that and yeah chip chip in and build it kind of together i was kind of curious about that too because both you and grant have a very similar style of playing so how is mm. how do you guys manage to interweave those parts the way you do yeah i'm not even sure actually you know there's not like <laughs> much dialogue to be honest like it's it's funny how yeah our writing is really just we like jam but on very specific ideas and it, they they sort of just happen and then we demo and you know, flesh it out time and time again. And like, yeah, there's, it seems like sometimes there's very little dialogue actually it kind of, it just, I don't know. <laughs> it just happens. That's great. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the best. And I think it's, it's super cool that you guys are able to, to do that, particularly as friends. I've, I've mm-hmm. had experiences where trying to write with friends ends up ruining the friendship. So. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily it's, it's so far so good. We, we've all been friends for like 15 years or something like that. So, oh man, yeah. that's awesome. We, yeah, as I said, we like grew up playing together and I don't know, we can get pissed at one another, but yeah, we've been friends for so long now. It's fine. Very cool. Unreal. So like for pedals wise, are you, are you done or have you, is there anything you've got your eyes on? 
No one's ever done. <laughs> done, like, done collecting. Yeah. There is no, there is no done. Man, I wish, honestly. But, yeah, I know. Um, damn, pedals. There's always something popping up nowadays, especially. Uh, damn. I feel like I'm looking at like weird synths that I don't need nowadays more so <laughs> and like samplers and stuff like that. I really want a Korg Monopoly. That's like, oh, oh yeah. I'm not even sure what, what year it's from or anything, maybe eighties or something, but yeah, it has this really cool four oscillator system that like, you know, does an arpeggio through or it arpeggiates through like all four oscillators in a very like unique way. Yeah. I, I always see like Tycho's Instagram and I'm just like, damn, I need like, all that shit. Yeah, so, oh, I know, man. That's yeah. a bit ridiculous. <laughs> it's great, yeah. though. It's... And I, it's like this, it's like the thing, you, if you were to ask me, like, my favorite band or something like that, I couldn't even think of it. And I'm sure there's, like, 10 pedals I'm, you know, I'm, like, drooling over every day, but I can't even think of them right now. <laughs> so right now, your primary guitar, you play through an SG, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's been, that was, like, the first nice guitar I ever got. I've been playing that thing for, like, 10 years now, pretty much. Oh, nice. That's That's great. <laughs> And then you've got uh, what do you what do you use for your amp? Um, the the head right now is a, I've been rocking a, a basement one hundred that cool. I, I I traded someone the the first two pet I ever got for it was a I traded a Marshall JCM two thousand for this for this basement that I'm using right now. It sounds and, fantastic. Um, so I, cool. I I think that's that's a good good trade right there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it, that that other amp had some sentimental value, but it was just it was just the time. But yeah, thanks. It was, it's my first uh, experience with like a really high high wattage Fender amp, and yeah, I love it. It's exactly what I'm looking for for like our sound. Yeah, yeah for cool. the cleans. I mean, it's kind of you can't do any better than that with the Fender with the Fender cleans. Like it's just it's oh, the for sure. Mode. Like build on that once you get that right. Yeah, and the cab that I'm using is a, a, a this company called Janus Janus Cabs out of the uh, I think Valparaiso, Indiana. But yeah, they just make really great like custom, you know, enclosures like two by twelves or or four by twelves. They even make crazy bass amps, like you know, eight by twelve, I think they, they use for their like bass amps. And uh yeah, it has two two eminent speakers in it. Very nice. It's just been like the, the trusty go to for like four years or something now. Cool. Unreal. So we have one question that we just we um usually finish our interviews with, which is uh you're on a desert island with a guitar and mm. an amp. And you're allowed to bring one pedal with you. Um, <laughs> what would it be? I think we've had a pretty good variety of uh, things people have gone for. But, cool. Uh, Damn. What would you choose? Um, I think my my first choice, just because I know it's it's so faithful, it would probably be like a deluxe memory man, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or um, a Montreal Assembly Count to Five. This is like a newer kind of like boutique company. Are you, are you guys familiar with this? I am not. No, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna plead ignorance on that one. Go ahead oh, and fill in. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just some kind of like absolute, absolutely insane like granular delay slash like sampler pedal. Uh, this guy in Montreal he makes very small batches of these pedals like every once in a while, and yeah, they're <laughs> they're just like incredible. I mean, you could you could use it in a really normal, you know functional musical sense or it can just be a very fucked up like ring mod or like you know awesome sampler or like just crazy pitch shifting delay and yeah you, you guys should check it out it's really it's really cool yeah no kidding so do you have one of these i do yeah i oh, i man. didn't bring it on my board this tour just because i don't use it in our set and i didn't mm-hmm. i don't want it to get like messed up on tour because yeah it's just super unique and i don't know when this guy is gonna like make them again when he does 
and stuff. I mean, <laughs> right. they're all over reverb and, and whatever, but yeah. Um, yeah, I do have it. And I, it's great for like drum machines and samplers and synths and just stuff like that. So that sounds cool. amazing. I'm going to have yeah. to check that out. Yeah, the count to five. Um, you can find it just by searching that, I'm sure. Very cool. I didn't need to know about that, Corey. I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't want one until 30 seconds ago, and now I'm just looking it up. So. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really great. The, yeah, I'd, I'd bring it on a desert island because I could spend years on it and, like, never understand it still, even though it's so, like, compact looking and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it would just be – it's hours of fun. Very cool. Always good. Cool. Sweet. Thanks, Corey. That, this has been class. Um, so do you have much longer on the rest of your tour, or are you guys just finished up? We finished our tour up like about a week ago, actually. We got home uh, a week ago from the whole Covet run. But um, yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow, actually, for the one that I was mentioning. And Yeah, yeah. great. Excellent. Man, I've never been to Arc Tangent, but I have maybe four or five friends that go every year. They're obsessed. <laughs> they say oh, the my God, one. it's the best. Yeah, there, there are some diehards. I, I would like to consider myself one at a certain point. So, yeah, well, enjoy Hope that. See you there one year. Yeah, man. Yeah, John, there you go. Have you anything you'd like to add, John? I don't think so, man. Um, Corey, where can people find out more about what you're doing and, you know, like, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, Vasudeva music all over the internet, whatever. Vasudeva.bandcamp.com, stuff like that. Yeah, we're going to be recording again soon. You know, we're always playing shows and whatever else. So, yeah. Excellent. Thanks cool. a lot, guys. Yeah. Thank you for Download, subscribe. And uh, make sure that you check these guys out on tour. Absolutely fabulous. Hey, Thanks, Corey. Hey, thank you. This is my first podcast ever. So this is really cool. Oh, hey, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, hopefully we'll catch you on the next one too. So when you, when you do the next release, we'll get you back on. So Yeah, always done. Cool. All right. Thanks, Corey. Have a good tour, man. Take thank care. you. See you. Right. Corey, thank you so much for appearing on our little pod. Really appreciate Yay. it. Yeah, John, I thought. Uh, go go ahead. No, I was <laughs> say major. <laughs> no, one of the things I, you know, what we always ask these performers about their what their practice routine looks like, particularly on the road. Um, what I appreciated from him was he said just trying to stay recording, and that's something we've talked about with a few other artists. But mm. just the idea of recording ideas, just sit down, come up with something and trying to emulate other guitar players he really admires with something he said. Yeah. And so kind of, which is, I think that's kind of the point of learning somebody else's music. It shouldn't be to necessarily just learn it note for note, but it should be for your own creative endeavors as well. And maybe, maybe, maybe there is a summit that you're looking to climb and just be able to say like, I can play this solo and that's awesome. Like the get the funk out solo or something like we'll that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but then being able to incorporate those ideas into your own playing and some of those techniques and emulate those other guitar players. So I, th I thought that was kind of a really useful commentary on his part. Yeah, I think it, what I took away from it as well is there was like, there's a certain level of, I don't know, enthusiasm for what you're doing and belief. And it's, you know, he's he, that whole keep busy playing perspective is great because sometimes playing music especially and going on the road you can kind of get a bit existential and yeah <laughs> seem to be you know it, i really like what he does and i i i, I dig that I, I really do and that was kind of refreshing to hear also nice to see the sg getting some modern love i i've i've always enjoyed the sg as a guitar um cool to see it used in that kind of fascinating uh, 
What? Uh, okay, so now I, I've got to I've got to sidestep that a little bit. What do you like about the SG? I'm a big Angus Young fan. <laughs> I think that's that's one of the the big things. Fair that enough. I, that was that was it. I I, I just. I don't know. It's weird to see an instrumental band playing an SG. Um, I, was the, does the SG predate the Les Paul? Something like that. Something like the mm-hmm. like this. It's like the Gibson Standard Guitar or something. That's what it stands for. Oh, yeah, Standard Gibson. Maybe I don't know. I also I, as growing up as a kid, I loved School of Rock the movie, and Jack Black has a gorgeous SG in that. I remember being like, that looks like a really cool guitar to play. So that was like a, a, a kind of a big thing for me, kind of growing up. Big, just an iconic image. And it's so weird to think of Angus Young playing anything else. And he's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. So nice to see it having a little bit of a... Are you not a fan, John? Uh, not, not really. I've never... I don't know. I've just never played an SG that's like resonated with me. I, I don't know what it is. Like whether it's the body shape. Um, the I, I'm not a huge Les Paul fan either. That said, like I do kind of I prefer humbuckers, but I just I don't. I think it's the neck. Honestly, I'm just not yeah. really a huge fan of the neck. So also the weight of a Les Paul as well. Yeah, <laughs> if you get a decent Les Paul. So the the Les Paul actually dates from '52 and the SG from '61. So okay, well, I, yeah. take, I take that back. Thank you. It was for originally a Gibson Les Paul SG was actually what it was called. Okay, um, but it had nothing to do with Les Paul apparently. So oh, yeah, well, we all learned something today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, John, what what the hell have you been working on guitar wise? So John Petrucci came out with a solo record a number of years ago called uh, Suspended Animation. And there was a track on there that I was always kind of like, you know, this would be a cool one to learn. And I never really got around to it. So I've been working on Glasgow Kiss. So for those of... W is silent. It's a Glasgow. Glasgow. Yes. Glasgow Kiss. Um... (laughs) Which, incidentally, I, I know you know what a Glasgow kiss is, but does anybody else on that's listening to this show actually know? So, <laughs> it's, yeah, look it up. <laughs> yes, it's the most Scottish, you know, it's the most Scottish euphemism ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe we're talking about two different things, but um, I've always known it as a headbutt. Yeah. So that's yeah. It, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So yeah. to the nose, more specifically. Yeah, a so. liver shake. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that have something our... to do with a knife? Oh, not... oh, sh- shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that sounds good. So what kind of what kind of Petrucci are we talking? Um, it's so it is. What is it? Is it in twelve eight or nine eight? I mean, essentially, it's it's a jig of sorts. You know, oh. um, so I, I can't really be sure if it's a slip jig or if it's a, oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But um, so the, the intro lick, it's pretty quick. It's, you know, whatever that is. I think it's in the neighborhood of like 180 or 200 or something like that. Oof. But, you know, <laughs> it, it has that sort of diddly eye feel to it. But it is, it's super fun to play. Um, the intro anyway, and then it goes into kind of more melodic stuff. And then it's, you know, typical, let's do crazy things on the guitar and make you feel inadequate about your life as a guitar player. So, John, one second. I have to check out this, this, this thing that you're talking about. This sounds ridiculous. Let's go kiss. Okay, let's go for this. 
Oh my god. Okay, that's I've heard enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told that's, you that's, it, it has that whole diddly eye feel to it, right? But you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stick to the tin whistle. Thank you very much. Um, cool. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh yes, okay, that sounds that 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 that's that's interesting. I suppose, you know, you gotta keep it gotta keep fresh. Always good to work in new time signatures as well, I suppose. Yeah, so what I mean, he, he, after that little intro section, he slides into some more melodic material um, and solo oriented stuff that's just kind of a blistering blur of notes. But there you go. We'll have to include that for the listener. Make sure that they can hear that, that little clip. Yes. So who would want to rob them of such an opportunity of to listen to such sweet music? <laughs> You're terrible. Says I... the guy who's working on Nuno Betancourt. Man, Nuno's an alien. I don't know. Anyway, yes, let's bring it to what I'm learning. I yes. spent two hours yesterday sitting down to try and learn the tapping arpeggio to uh, Newton Betancourt's extreme song, Get the Funk Out. Um, it's, it's the, the song is extreme, but it's also by the band Extreme. So. Thank you for clarifying that for, yes. for our listeners. Yes, it is a, a, a amazing song. Speaking of Brian May, have you heard Brian May talk about the Get the Funk Out? Yes! Oh, yeah. actually, we've talked about it in the past. It's been ages, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah, great. It has, yeah. um, I remember at the start of the year, learning the Get the Funk Out solo was one of my guitar, big, ostentatious guitar goals. Uh, it, to hear it actually, to be able to, you know, slowing, I'm slowing it way down. Yeah, the the speed that it's played at is very. It's kind of breakneck in, in parts, but the yeah, learning that I've never learned a tap arpeggio in my life, and it is so oh, cool really you come wow. together to get the yeah. It's 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 weird, uh, so it is nice, and maybe like this would be a gateway drug to learning some John Five like tap arpeggio stuff. So yeah, I'm having a You'll lot. You'll be of fun playing there. Steve Vai before you know it. Promise you. <laughs> Just shut your dirty mouth. Uh, on <laughs> on uh, but it's weird because. I was having a talk because, you know, I've been going back to guitar lessons and I found that I've been kind of sitting down and trying to learn all these, you know, exercises and the John Petrucci rock discipline stuff. And I don't have time. And that's a big thing that we talk about on our podcast. Mm. And I found that it's so important to learn stuff that you, that you like, that you really, you know, that you want to listen to as opposed to learning just exercises for the sake of learning them i suppose it depends on what you you know what you want to actually get out of the guitar but for me learning stuff that's really enjoyable and that you can see a progression in it's 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 it makes sitting down to learn so much easier i think yeah. just yeah I, I just think it's it's a big thing so that's kind of what i've been working on and a few other uh, i've been working my way through the uh the ross campbell spicy licks series uh, oh, fun it's been a lot of fun on, on YouTube. So that's cool. Just loads of like kind of fast uh, modal stuff. It's, it's really cool. And it's kind of broadening my, my modal knowledge. So yeah. How about listening, John? Have you been listening to anything else? Well, before we go there, if I could sort of piggyback on your, uh, your, your statement about listening or about practicing things that are, uh, that you're interested in. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's essentially what you're doing is, is, great and what i've seen recently too is when you have in my own practice as well but uh when you have a limited amount of time to work mm-hmm. on stuff you know pick the things that you want to work on and think of it as that's your exercise for the most yeah. part now when you get stuck on something typically so i've i've had students for myself recently where i've been working on something and notice like this one thing is just sticking or I had a student who's pinky. It just is not like cooperating through some fast, like 
Satriani style legato. And it was like, okay, so basically here's what you got to do. You got to break it down. Here's an exercise work on your, on your pinky step away. Uh, Gave him some of the Rick Graham exercises, but you know, and he listens to the podcast sometimes. So hello there. Student who knows that I'm talking about you now. (laughs) (laughs) Work on your pinky student. Uh, I'm judging you here. Uh, But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, yeah, I think that's great. I think that is a good point. That is when you kind of break out the exercises to build finger strength, but when you can't get something. But learning them just for the sake of learning them, that's not my cup of tea these days at all. I, I think it's it's great. And also, well, one thing I was doing because, you know, my, uh, you know I, I would wake up early and I kind of try and practice guitar well. My girlfriend is still in bed, so I've been practicing unamplified. But the last week I've gone back to just, no, I'm going to plug into pedals and I'm going to play through an amp. And it's just so much more gratifying. <laughs> Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, which is why my next guitar purchase was going to be one of those little Yamaha THR5s. Oh, uh, we need to talk about that next time. Yeah. Because cool. I, I, I definitely want to talk about that. But um, yeah, and also this, this is a good plug for things like bias effects as well. Like that's what I've been using yeah. just at home. Like I just <laughs> plug it into the interface, put some headphones on and get some decent tone out of that too. And cool. it's it's kind of fun that way. So practice gear we're going to talk about that next time that sounds good yeah uh sweet so john you've evaded my question what i have <laughs> that's all right i can go first if you like no no i i got it it's um intervals came out with an album in 2017 called the way forward and and i have to say i've i enjoyed a lot of the album i definitely felt like it was more or less a continuation of the shape of color from 2015 um the shape so, of color yeah we've talked about this and it's a color with a u which you know he's canadian and all but still Ooh. yeah that's uh, but anyway but I, I do definitely recommend the shape of color i think it's an absolutely fantastic album and uh aaron from intervals is just a ridiculous guitar player so there's some really great guitar work on here and there's some really great uh melodic content and solos and I do feel like in some ways it's a bit of a retread. So this is, this is a little bit more of a criticism than just this album's amazing. Go listen to it. Um, but I do, I do definitely recommend listening to it. I'd recommend, you know, um, giving it the time of day, but I will say it does feel like a little bit of a retread and it, it's not um, necessarily as innovative as some of the earlier stuff. So, okay. That's, that sounds, yeah, I might give that a, I might give that a shout the, the the shape of color that sounds good i didn't actually give it the time i think you told you spoken about it before but i never talked spoken about it yeah i've never actually given it given it a chance there's uh, some stuff in there that will absolutely blow your mind and you'll be like oh, oh. Yeah. and as as a shred guitar album it doesn't sound like a shred guitar album which so, i that's that's those are my favorite kinds of shred guitar albums <laughs> there you go yeah. so check it out anyway john and you I sir am- Thank you for asking. <laughs> that little, that little pause there. Yeah. Uh, John, as for me, thank you for asking. I have been, uh, so as I said on Instagram and various social medias and to you, uh, and maybe on our last episode, um, Dylan got a Slayer ticket and went to see Slayer uh, two days ago. And uh, my shoulders are still in a lot, a lot of pain. Uh, but um, good God. And your face I, isn't damaged either. I'm, I'm super no, impressed. I, I, yeah, I was managed to keep it from the from the neck down, all the the bruising. Uh, yeah, so I have basically been listening to nothing but Lamb of God and Slayer for the last week, and just you know, in preparation for the 
for the show and good God, what a show. Oh my God. So it opened with, it was, um, uh, it was Obituary, who I missed, but apparently they're quite a big metal band. Uh, I, apparently they got a quite a good crowd. Uh, and then Anthrax, who, uh, oh you know, my gosh. like me some Anthrax, Indians, yeah, who and doesn't? Uh, oh. Cotton Amash, always good. Uh, it was great. It was a greatest hits set as well. It was like eight songs, all stuff that I, Mostly new. And then, I, I okay, as I've said before, I am a big Lamb of God fan just because it's kind of that whole Pantera-esque groove that mm-hmm. never stops. And it was, it was great to see them. That was a big bucket list band. And I went, I was just like, I am going to this gig by myself because... I am not responsible for anybody else's enjoyment because it's going to get rowdy. And yeah, it's stuff got rowdy, but it was great. Uh, the last time that Lamb of God played in Dublin, shortly before the gig, the singer was jumped and robbed. And he uh, I heard managed, about that. Managed, to, managed to speak about this on stage, saying we're not going to have any accidents this time, are we, Ireland? Uh, so that was great. I love Randall Blythe. He is a fantastic frontman, and uh, it was it was great to see them. Um, Willie Adler was a you know he's a great rhythm guitar player. Fell during the first song on his bum and oh, uh, no. <laughs> laughed it off. Added a bit of a you know <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, nobody noticed it, but I was like because you know Randy is such a distracting frontman. Great time. Slayer as a band were they were you know playing playing to win. They had the whole pyrotechnics. They had the 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 banner that dropped before every song for a different Slayer logo. And they were, it was their final tour. So I was really glad to see them. Good God, the crowd were just aggressive. It was just, you know, and lads in their forties as well, just yeah. like there to fight. Steel toed boots and everything. Yeah, the whole thing. And I am, I, I am a, a, a supple young man with not that, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready for that kind of stuff, but it was great. And, but also uh, Slayer, uh, if I may swear for maybe our first time on the episode, even though it's surprising the amount of time I spoke about Queen for, uh, fuck you with your 35 euro t-shirts and your 70 euro. Yeah, I know it's okay. Speaking of branding, Slayer are a brand uh, and yeah. very much a brand, but uh, the amount of people that were wearing the end of the end of tour t-shirts, like they, sorry, the final tour t-shirts. I'm like, guys, that is a lot of money to spend on a Slayer t-shirt. Uh, so yeah, great show. That's all I've been listening to. Uh, really looking forward to the next big album I can't wait for, which I'm really you know curious about is uh, Smashing Pumpkins have a new album coming out. Uh, next week I believe so I am Ooh, yeah. very curious about that the two singles that have been released I actually really liked I'm like this is actually quite good I haven't yeah. listened to them yet and, and I'm I'm always sort of on the fence with the Smashing oh, Pumpkins yeah. I either love them or hate them so uh, I'm holding my breath that's fair uh, absolutely especially with the stuff they've put out in the last 20 years um, just to finish up a friend of mine <clears throat> went to their latest tour because they're playing like a you know a greatest hits tour right now a friend of mine flew to London to see them and during the middle of the set they played Stairway to Heaven in its entirety for no reason <laughs> other than that they could and I'm like there's a fantastic Guardian review of the gig just going you know Billy Corgan is just his ego has subsumed him. So, uh, yeah, that's us uh, for this episode. This was a lot of fun. Uh, this should be out Thursday. We, we're trying to do this every second Thursday, so uh, tell your friends and uh, you know, tweet at us, email us if you want, if there's something you'd like us to discuss. Uh, we love you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a John, review. Please. That always yeah. helps. So, yeah. Please. yeah. And, uh, yeah, until next time, everybody, stay sharp.